When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. It's great to be back with you. I'm Steve Vandegraaff. Lucky you guys, you get me this week. But don't worry, I'm not alone. I'm with Dr. Justin Short, and we'll be bringing it together for you today. Justin, how's it going? How was your fourth holiday? It was good, but I was going to say, any luck they got by having you today, they totally lost by having me on here too. (laughs) Right, right. The fourth was good, man. We purchased a new farm at the beginning of June, and we were there setting things up, doing some planting. I'm a big farmer now. Actually, just farming for uh, food plots, not actually like crops, but just good to get out of town and get into the middle of nowhere sometimes, you know? How about you? Man, fun. Is this an addition to your farm you guys already had? Like, is this an add-on, or is this, is this in Illinois? No, this one is in Missouri. It's actually a long story. I'll try to go really quick. I put my other farm up for sale. I put it at a pretty high price thinking if someone bought it for this, cool. I'll sell it. I'll take the money and run. But they probably won't. It literally sold within a month. Wow. And (laughs) so for me, it was a great trade. I mean, I went from a farm with, I had crops but uh, really no income to speak of on that farm, but had a really nice house and like 234 acres in Illinois. Sold that farm, took the profit, rolled it into a farm in Missouri, 370 acres with (laughs) $20,000 of income. The house isn't quite as nice, but I mean, still it's a three bedroom, two bath brick and uh, we're finishing the basement. It's just not quite as fancy as the other one. So now I got more land and a little bit less house, and that is a trade I'll make all day long. And now we have income. Sweet. Man, you know, we did our we did real estate podcast. I think we need to do like a farm mini series <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Yep. We'll probably get like four people to listen. <laughs> yeah. With the last name show. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats. Cool. Great move. Yeah, yeah. Our our fourth was great. We went to the Atlanta Aquarium, nice. actually, and got to stand right next to some full-size whale sharks. I suppose I'm a little bit of a nature nerd, but man, I love taking my family there. It's like the coolest place. Yeah. We've stopped through there before and did that aquarium in Atlanta. It's super big, super cool, super nice. It's probably super filled with COVID now, so congratulations. Yeah. Don't worry. The salt water, it like mitigates everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That and bleach. (laughs) Right. That sounds awesome. Good. I'm glad you guys got out and got to do something. This is a a good but busy week for us at TLP too. Yeah. Yeah. Finally in the middle of our first launch week of 2020. And this week we finally got to roll out TLP A. Lifestyle Practice Academy 2.0, which has been our labor of love, to put it nicely, for the past 12 months. So, brand new course, opening the doors for the first time in 2020. And, man, it's been a very good but very busy start this week so far. And that's okay. We like that. And I'm excited to see how the rest of the week goes and to meet all uh, 
the new docs who join. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, it's fun. I think the first month or two of starting with new docs is just kind of like a really exciting time because there's lots of big dreams and goals and lots of things you can change right away. So, I mean, I've been doing it a year now, but this is kind of the funnest part for me. Yeah. It's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's exactly. So jumping into today, last week, Justin, you shared a case acceptance tip that was great on preventing buyer's remorse. I've heard you talk about this before. Love it. It's something small that dentists can do to help patients accept more treatment from you. So I wanted to maybe throw another pearl in the bag and give a little tip about case acceptance that dentists can apply right away. Even tomorrow when you get to the office in the morning, this is something you can use to help patients say yes to more treatment from you. Because let's face it, the more you can get patients to agree to treatment, the more production you'll do, the more wealth you'll be able to create for yourself. And at the same time, the better off your patient is going to be. Yep. And I know you know this, Steve, but for those listening who may not know us as well, you know, we look at wealth in case acceptance as a byproduct of helping your patients get healthier. We're assuming you're telling patients what they really need that will help them achieve the best oral health possible. And if you look at it in that way, you can kind of shrug off that salesman feeling and look at it from the more patients, from the mindset of the more patients you help, the more successful you become or vice versa. So it's a win-win. That's how we look at it. Yep. Dentistry is good for them and for us. Yep. So what is the secret? I'm sure everyone's wondering. Well, the best case acceptance trick, here it is, is just to be very good looking. Yeah. That's right. That's why I always struggle with case acceptance. <laughs> I know. This has been a rough one for you, Justin. <laughs> and this is probably why Derek is able to pump out so much production is, you know, his nice hair and everything. It That's probably true. explains a lot. Yeah. But let's go to number two, another option. You know, for the rest of us that don't have the attractiveness working in our, in our favor, there's other things you can do. And one I'd like to talk about today is creating urgency with patients. So if a patient needs something in their mouth, the way you talk to them about the issue, how concerned you come across will dictate the level of importance that they view their problem with. Now, you're probably rolling your eyes and saying, well, that's obvious. And it is. But let's share some specific ways for you to capitalize on this and create urgency. Yeah. And I'd add that it's a fine line. Urgency has to be deliberate, but it also needs to be subtle. You know, I was never one to create urgency by telling patients, you know, unless you're in next week to fix this tooth, you're going to die or you're going to lose it or whatever. Or, but that being said, in order to increase case acceptance, you often need to create some type of urgency. Right. Yep. Totally agree. And I think a good subtle way to do this is our first point, and that is to use a very simple word. The first tip is use the word yet. Whenever you're diagnosing something on a patient, something especially if they're unaware of it, introduce it to them with a question and a yet. It can be a very easy way 
to pique their interest. So for example, you see a big leaking filling or a cracked tooth, maybe some lesion, or maybe they just have like super bloody gums. So instead of saying, does this bother you? To which they'll say, uh, no, it's never bothered me. And now they're closing the door already. You say, Miss Jones, does this back tooth hurt yet? Now you just uncovered something for them. And they know something is wrong. They don't know what, but they're very interested. And they're going to immediately ask you what the problem is. When they do this, they're opening the door to communicate more and to learn more about their problem. This is a great way to help patients open up. We're not being sneaky here. You know, we're not like choosing our words to make them worried. We're helping them better grasp that they have a problem and they need to do something about it. You know how many teeth I've pulled out this year that we diagnosed for a crown a year or two ago? Tons. And in each one of those cases, the patient could have saved themselves chewing, smiling, pain, all the garbage that comes from missing teeth if they would have understood initially the urgency of the situation. What is going to happen if nothing's done? Yes, something does need to be done, even if it doesn't necessarily hurt right now, or if it doesn't hurt yet is the word. Yet has always been one of my favorite words in exams. And whenever possible, I like to try to predict how my patients are going to respond, not just with this, but with anything, any questions I ask. So I can then plan out my response. Again, I don't like leaving things to chance that I don't have to. So most of the time I'd ask, does this tooth hurt or bother you yet? They'd often say, no, should it? To which I'd respond something like, not necessarily, but everyone's different and based off the condition of this tooth, it just wouldn't surprise me. That's all. So if you really want to increase case acceptance, don't only plan out what you're going to say, but take it a step further and try to plan out what your patients most likely are going to respond. Because usually they're going to fall in that 80% range. You're going to have a few above, a few below, but most of them are going to say something very similar. So when you think about it from that aspect, then you can even take it a step further and plan out your response to what you know is most likely coming. Yeah, two steps ahead. And then you could plan out their response to that and go four steps ahead. Then you can plan out what they're having for dinner. And then you can say, hey, can I buy you this for dinner if you get this crown done? And then, I'm just kidding. That's not not a bad idea. So, yet, it's a good little pearl. Make sure you're using it. And buying your patient's dinner. Yeah. You've probably done that. You kind of wine and dine your patients with wine, literally. And, uh, I mean, I just give my patients some extra gauze on the way out. And, you know, they're pretty grateful for it. Yeah. Take this and get out of here. Yeah. So another way to help create some urgency is to perform what I call descriptive exams. And what does that mean? This means when you're doing an exam and you're talking to your assistant, instead of saying number four DO, four quads SRP, number 19 EXT, just drop all the dental vernacular that the patient's wondering like what in the world's going on and then speak in English about your findings. So after you tell the patient what you're, you're, what you're going to be doing, you lean them back and you, you start on, let's say, tooth number two, upper right is where I go. And you describe to your assistant what you're seeing. So I'll say my assistant's Jane. All right, Jane, we're going to start up here in the right corner. This molar in the very back, it has a silver filling. Here, let me 
check it. Oh, feels great. Nice and solid. All right. Moving around. Okay. The tooth in front of it. Oh, there's, there's a dark spot here and let me feel it. This feels soft. Jane, this tooth is going to need a white filling three MOL. And let's see, it's kind of in between the teeth. Hopefully it hasn't spread to the next tooth. It feels like it has something like that, right? Now, obviously I'm not really talking to my assistant, Jane. I'm talking to the patient and you know, you can do this with anything that that example was a filling. You could do it with, you know, a crown, a broken tooth, SRP or ortho. But the idea is during the exam, instead of the experience being some strange dental jargon going on where they don't know what's happening, you're kind of describing while you're going along, helping them understand in real time at the same time what's happening. So for ortho, for example, we could say, you know, Jane, I'm not seeing any cavities on these teeth. They look healthy, look great. The only issue is that these lower teeth have some crowding. Could you put that in the note? You know, now you've piqued the patient's interest. They wonder, well, what about my crowding teeth? Why is that going in the note? Then you give them the old, uh, oh, I forgot you were sitting there. Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And then you'll follow up the question with, her interest is open now. You say, Miss Jones, have you ever had orthodontics before? For which you already likely know the answer. And you're kind of opening the door to a more open mind to accept treatment. You know, descriptive exams, they kind of remove all the confusion that patients hear when you're talking in dental jargon and replace it with an explanation of what's going on. And I think it kind of maximizes to the fullest your communication opportunity because let's face it, when we're busy and we're doing a recall exam or a new comp exam, we only have a couple minutes with the patient. And so you're talking even while you're checking the teeth to kind of get as much information and presentation in those few minutes as possible. Yeah, that's such a good thing to do. I mean, it's you almost make it fail-proof. If you get that down and you can do that really good as you go through the mouth describing like you did, I mean, try to convince me your case acceptance isn't going to go up because it's going to be hard to convince me. Granted, like everything else, you've got to practice it. If you're like, oh, I heard Steve talk on this awesome podcast and I think I'm going to go in and try this. Okay, Jane, I'm seeing a good filling on two and now we oh crap, we got a big crown on three, you know, First, your assistant's probably not named Jane. So there, you're an idiot. And B, <laughs> it's going to take some practice. But don't give it the, oh, I tried it once. It didn't work. So that idea was a bunch of crap. No, you're a bunch of crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's you. you are. And you don't have to do it with every tooth, you know, like that example. But you get the idea of you're kind of explaining while you're going along. Hopefully, you're going to have some images on the computer right next to them and a mirror that you're about to pull out. So it's kind of an interactive show-and-tell type type thing. So descriptive exams, number two. The last thing I think that's really helpful to reinforce urgency in the patient's mind about their problems is to reschedule them for treatment appropriately. By this, I mean if they have a huge decaying lesion, don't schedule them for a month out because your appointments are filled up for the next couple of weeks. No, they're in your chair now. They're focused and they're finally tuning in into how important this is to get done. Don't let a month of time or, or any significant amount of time get in between them and fixing their problem. Let me jump in real quick. I want to make sure people understand, like we understand 
that some patients will be just like, hey, I'm busy for the next month. I have to schedule. We're not talking about those patients. What we're doing is it's a numbers game. If you do what Steve's getting ready to discuss, because we discussed it, and I know it's a good point. I know it's coming up. If you do what he's about to cover, it's going to make them want to get in sooner. So, all right, carry on. I just wanted to make sure. Right, right. You know, we're not forcing them, but we're, we're helping them understand, you know, this is an important thing. I like to tell patients that, first of all, I like to do more, as much treatment as possible. So I, I'll say, hey, I'd, I'd like to fix this all as soon as possible, even in an appointment or two, if you can. The longer we wait, the more decay is going to grow. And, and then this crown could turn into a root canal and crown. I'm not trying to pressure you at all, Ms. Jones, but I just want you to understand what's happening and what we can do about it. And then, you know, have your front desk try to get them in. Yeah. Let me cut in on you again. I'm sorry. But I really like what you said. I like to tell patients that I'd like to try to fix all of this as soon as possible, even in an appointment or two if we can. And again, it's going to work for some patients. It's not going to work for others. But that is a much better way to approach it than. So, Mrs. Jones, we've got four teeth, five teeth that need some work. We can do some this year, some next year. We can spread it out as long as you want. You're still allowing that option if that's what they want. You're not force-feeding them. But I guarantee you're going to have a lot more more comprehensive appointments, less single-tooth dentistry, if you can learn to master that approach of, hey, Mrs. Jones, I'd really like to try to fix all these as soon as possible, even in an appointment or two, if that works for you. So the longer we wait, things are just going to get worse. And I really don't want them to get worse. Now, Mrs. Jones could still say, sorry, Sonny, I'm going to do this over the next eight years. But the more you can polish that little bit right there, the less single tooth dentistry you're going to be doing. Right. A good illustration of this is I remember I went to breakaway and I remember watching Scott Luna when he he was role-playing his treatment presentation with patients and he ended each exam by saying speaking to his assistant he says we need to get this done right away cancel an appointment tomorrow if we have to to get this done now obviously you're not going to be canceling another patient's appointment to get someone in there and you don't need to do this tomorrow but I like the the emphasis on helping leave no doubt in the patient's mind that this is something that needs to be done rather than, well, I think I'm going to fix this when I get my tax return, you know, next April or something, which is pretty common. Or another thing that happens is you kind of leave the room and the, your front desk comes in and they have a laundry list of cavities or crowns or SRP that needs to be done. They hand the patient this big laundry list and say, hey, do you have any questions? Would you like to schedule this? Or do you want to give us a call when you want to start doing some of this? That is, I understand it's kind of hard to fit everything in, but that is just a lazy approach. We're not driving the message home and your handoff and just the overall presentation is not tight. I mean, that patient's probably going to walk out with the laundry list and leave more confused rather than anything else. I understand we stare at dirty mouse all day. And so this stuff's routine for us. It's easy for us to make a laundry list treatment plan. But imagine if you would, if you had like a pressing dental or other health issue that you didn't know about, and then suddenly found out about it, 
you'd want to know right away what was going on. You want to fully understand what the issue is and the urgency behind it. That's what we're kind of helping instill in our patients. Yep. I think that last part is so true. You know, if I have, I've used this example before, let's say high blood pressure or heart disease or cancer. I don't want the doctor who's like, man, I really don't want to tell Justin about his heart disease because what if he can't afford it? Or what if his insurance isn't going to pay for his heart (laughs) disease treatment? Like if it's going to make me healthier, we owe it to our patients to put our best foot forward and help them get the treatment done. Not to pat our wallets. That is often a great byproduct. Don't get me wrong. But our job, our duty is to get patients healthier. And you can be lazy and never work on your case presentation and have very little low case acceptance. But in my opinion, that's just a loser way out. And I've said, show me a good loser and I will show you a loser. So (laughs) the other thing's like what you're talking about with Scott's, you know, when going through my exams, I think that's such a great arrow to pull up. Going through my exam, I'd often say to my hygienist, make a note, we need to get this done ASAP. And she knew to not actually write that down or, quote, make a note. And again, you may be thinking, well, that's shady, but assuming the patient really needs what you're putting down, you're just helping them get to yes. And another one I pulled out from time to time was, Steve, it's time. You know, I usually save this for patients who I knew like to wait on everything. You know, we had number 12 diagnosed for a crown two years ago. I'd straight tell them, Mrs. Jones, it's your call, but I'm telling you, it's time to get this tooth fixed. And usually when I did that and I got serious like that, I would say, man, 95% of the time they'd be like, okay, okay, I'll get it done. But you can't be afraid to tell them again. It's like, oh, Mrs. Jones, I know you don't want to hear this again, but if you ever want to do something about it, that number 12 tooth still looks like crap, but yeah, it's like a little confronting their denial. Just let them know it's time. Right. So such great little, and I know I'm biased because it's our podcast, but I mean, I know these things work. I've seen them work in my own life, my own practices, your practice, Derek's practice, whoever's practice many other clients practice. So I know these things work. Yes, you may have to listen to this podcast two or three times. You may have to make some notes. You may have to practice. But don't be a puss. Do it. Don't be lazy. Add, you know, They don't cost you a dime. And they're easy to implement. You don't have to go buy and research equipment and learn how to use it. They're easy if you just do it. And there's just other ways to set yourself apart. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy to think just like how well polished or prepared that like three minute interaction is with new patients. Depending on your performance in that three minutes, it's like the difference between a $300,000 producing practice and a million dollar producing practice. Same patients, same area, but those few minutes of how you speak and, you know, so we talk about it a lot. I hope people don't get tired, but there's a reason behind all this talk and all these little polishing tips that we want to give you. So you guys try saying yet use descriptive exams and help people return quickly for treatment, create urgency. Why do we worry about the little nuances and wordings and such? Because the better you are at this, the more dentistry you're going to do and the more wealth you will build. Like Justin said, put in the time to practice and master these things. You're doing them every day. If you do them every day, in and out, you're going to have more finances and more time to do what you want in life. 
So with that, enjoy this week. If you guys haven't watched the webinar or been catching the content we've been sending out in emails, please do. There's going to be a, a lot of valuable content coming out this week if you haven't got it already. So check your inbox, join our online webinar. And if you want to go beyond the podcast, as great as they are, feel free to join us this week and take things to the next level through coaching as doors are going to be closing Sunday evening. Please don't hesitate to reach out, email any of us, Derek, Steve, or Justin at thelifestylepractice.com, and we can connect better one-on-one. With that, look forward to hearing from you all. Peace.